emanating from www.michaelnimmons.com. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson. This is Rochelle Riley, straight out of Detroit. This is Dr. Victoria Dooley at Dr. Dooley MD. Well, everybody, it's your boy, comedian Jay Stevens. This is Frederick D. Haynes III. I am Justin Coates, an author and anti-bullying activist. I am Pam Perry. Hey, everybody, this is Rochelle V. Mann, CEO of Man Made Productions. This is Bree Diane, international evangelist. Hey, this is Candace Pretty Strange Smith. And what's up? This is Ty Scott King. I was cracking Planet Earth. It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud Radio show welcome to Emmy Award winning WXYZ Channel 7 anchor woman and new friend of the show, Miss Carolyn Clifford. Well, thank you, Michael, and what a nice introduction. So happy to be here. You know what I've got to do. i got to check out my man, Michael Nimmons, who is handling his business as he drops that knowledge. I like that because Frederick Douglass, for whom I'm named, says that knowledge unfits us for slavery. Truth sets us free. If you want to be free, you want to be like Mike. Check out the best radio show online. You're locked in right now to our listening. You're tuned into this. And without thinking about it, guess what? I'm thinking out loud right here on a Thinking Out Loud radio show. And if you want to stay in the know, you better be listening to Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Check out Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't you dare touch that dial. The Thinking Out Loud radio show with Michael Nimmin. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmin's. who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy. Tonight is your answer. I I titled it The Promised Land because even though we may not get there in our lifetimes, even if we experience hardships and disappointments along the way, uh, that I at least still have faith we can uh, create a more perfect union. Not a perfect union, but a more perfect union. A promised land. 
Presidential Memoir Book Club Series. Brought to you by the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show for 2021. That's right. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. You're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy New Year to everybody that's tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We're so very excited to be bringing you a brand new show. That's right. The first episode of 2021. So very excited i hope you guys had a wonderful holiday season it seemed to have gone by so very fast we had our last show of 2020 on christmas uh and uh shouts out to uh artist kim pratt for being with us uh for our last show for 2020 and guys we are expecting some great things in 2021 i know you are as well and uh, we're just gonna hit the ground running and see what happens but guys uh thank you so much for tuning in to tonight's show we're going to be talking about uh former president obama's newest book uh a promised land for the next two episodes uh this is a powerful book a very insightful book a behind the scenes look at the life and the legacy of president barack obama we'll be talking about this book his legacy we're also going to be talking about um you know what happened uh, at the capitol just a few days ago guys this was surreal i mean I couldn't believe it. And, we're, you know, um, just imagine, you know, I'm, we've had these discussions already, I'm sure. Uh, but imagine if the complexion was different and it wasn't white supremacists that were converging on the Capitol, but it was black people, uh, you know, engaged in a riotous, uh, you know, uh, uh, riotous uh uh, I don't even call it protest because it wasn't even a protest. This was a riot. This was an insurrection, a riotous insurrection. That's what we'll call it. Uh, thugs, domestic terrorists that uh, converged on the Capitol back on Wednesday, January 6th. And, you know, what would have happened had that uh, went another way? Um, and we all know, you know, what happened back in June of Last year, been Washington doing the George Floyd Black Lives Matter protest of that young man dying because of the police uh, kneeling on his neck and um, 400 arrests. I mean, Washington was completely shut down. There were military police everywhere. Uh, for uh, a peaceful protest that took place in Washington. There was a purpose behind this protest. But what happened uh, just a few d days ago was sheer mayhem. It was a riotous insurrection that converged on our nation's capital, the seat of our democracy, uh, someone put it. And... Um, there's no other no no other way to characterize it, and and uh, I'm just glad that Trump is on his way out. He's going to be gone in just a few days. I'm sure there are those of you who you know believe he should be impeached, and 
uh, they're you know trying to threaten the uh, you know to invoke the 25th amendment there's so much bureaucracy behind those two uh, options right now that you know 10 days just not just does does not give us enough time to levy some kind of uh, to levy those kinds of punishments against this man um uh, I just think that we would probably do be better served uh, just making sure that he cannot do any more damage uh, to this office uh, as much as he's already done uh, and uh, making sure that the American people are safe uh, these next 10 days transitioning into a new administration on January 20th. And, um, you know, basically, that's, I think, what we should be focused on. But again, we all know the House uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have already uh, uh, issued articles of impeachment that they're going to be voting on on tomorrow. And, um, you know, we just have to let things play out and see what happens. But this is where we are. I'm just excited again that we have a new administration coming in, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and looking forward to uh, what they're going to do in the office. Again, they are not uh, the end-all, be-all of anything. I just think they're going to do a much better job than the previous administration. Can I get a witness? Is anybody out there to say amen? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're saying amen. Yes, yes, yes. But um, that's what's on the top of my mind for the show on today. But again, we're going to be talking about A Promised Land. I'm excited about this book. It's one book that I've been waiting to read. I'm about two thirds of the way through it. And we're going to be talking about. Uh, this book, among other things, for the next two weeks, uh, everything Obama related. Uh, he is probably one of the most transformative presidents in our nation's history, uh, not just being the first black president, but uh, what he has been able to what he was able to accomplish uh, as uh, president of the United States with health care. Uh, the killing of Osama bin Laden, uh, the bailing out of the auto industry, just to name a few. But he has a tremendous record of accomplishments that we plan to share uh, over these next two weeks to talk about uh, his life, talk about his legacy uh, and much more. And, you know, uh, we have really been thinking about lately on how we can uh, interact with and engage you, the listeners of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, in a much better way. You know, our show is pre-recorded uh, and is loaded to uh, the podcasting host uh, network or uh, platform. And then it's distributed out to uh, the podcasting networks that, um, you know, are give, give you the ability to listen to the show. Um, but it doesn't really give you an opportunity to interact and engage with us. And so in thinking about it, we 
um, we're talking to a good friend of ours who gave us a great idea that we plan to add to uh, the uh, repertoire of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And so in just another week or so, uh, in fact, Tuesday, January the 19th, mark your calendars, we're going to be having uh, Thinking Out Loud radio after show. That's right, guys. Uh, after the podcast concludes at 930, we're going live on Instagram where we'll be talking to you and you'll be able to talk to us about what we discussed on the podcast. I'm excited, guys. So we're going to be talking about President Obama's book. We're going to be talking about his legacy. We're going to be talking about uh, the new administration, the Biden administration, uh, the upcoming inauguration. So, guys, we are very, very excited to be bringing to you the Thinking Out Loud radio after show January the 19th live on Instagram at 930. So look forward to that. We'll be posting information on our Facebook uh, page. We'll be posting it on Twitter and Instagram to remind you about this event that's coming up. And we're going to be on every week after that so uh, our podcast will air at 8 o'clock and then we'll be on live on Instagram at 9.30 to chop it up with you our listeners so I'm looking forward to that for this brand new year 2021 and hopefully you will be as you will be as well this is a great way for us to connect with each other you can ask us questions we can ask you questions we can get your feedback and and more and I'm looking forward to it looking forward to connecting with you looking forward to expanding our audience for the thinking out loud radio show in 2021 just want to put this out there as well if you are listening on tonight and you want to be a guest on the thinking out loud radio show shoot us an email at contact at michaelnimmons.com we would love to hear from you we're always looking for guests to be on the show and we're also looking for partners uh, advertising partners uh, for our show as well. Again, shoot us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com. Also, stop by our website, michaelnemons.com. We've got a lot of great things in store. We're going to be doing some new things this year on our website as well. We've got some swag there that's available. Uh, Thinking Out Loud radio show swag, uh, face masks. We got hoodies for the winter. We got, uh, I mean, we got t-shirts, long sleeve short sleeve uh you name it we got fitted hats on we got caps rather not fitted we gonna we, we we getting there we gonna get there but we got uh we got the snapback hats on uh online as well just go to michaelnimmons.com got a lot of great things in store for you we're gonna be doing more tweeting and we're gonna be on instagram more facebook more throughout this entire year 2021 so we'll be looking forward to Connecting with you, the listeners of the Thinking Out Loud radio show in new and creative ways. And we hope that you'll connect with us as well. So, guys, we are so, again, very excited to be bringing to you this series we're calling A Promised Land, the Presidential Memoir 
our book club series. So look forward to that today uh, and next week as well. And again, we're going live on Instagram next Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Our, uh, at us at TOL Radio Host MSN on Twitter and Instagram. And that way you'll be able to uh uh, be a part of the discussion and be a part of what we have going on on the show. Follow us again on Twitter and Instagram. And guys, we're going to be doing some new things on Facebook. Unfortunately, our account was hacked over the holidays, so we don't have the Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page anymore. Um, we're doing some new things. We're trying to figure out and mitigate uh, what's, what's, what has happened uh, to us, unfortunately. Uh, but we're going to, um, you know, I think this is a time for us to hit the reset button with our social media anyway. So uh, we'll keep you posted on what direction we'll be going going in on facebook but um right now uh twitter and instagram are still up and you can follow us on twitter and instagram at tol radio host msn tol radio host msn again subscribe to the podcast is available on all of uh, major podcasting networks including michaelnimmons.com and the Detroit Praise Network. So, guys, uh, we're getting ready to take our first break of the night. But when we come back, we're jumping right into our discussion of A Promised Land, the Presidential Memoir book series, right here on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't you go anywhere. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hello, my name is Maya Nimmons, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now, available on the Detroit Praise Network website. You better listen to that little girl. The Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Stephanie D. Sanders, award-winning singer, songwriter, author, voiceover artist, and more. Heard on shows like the Time Join the Morning Show and the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Book Stephanie D. Sanders to voice over your podcast or radio intros or commercials. Do yourself a favor and visit stephaniedsanders.com and upgrade your podcast or radio show by booking Stephanie D. Sanders. You'll definitely be glad that you did. Good friend of ours, iconic, legendary radio host right here in Detroit, John Mason. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thank you, Pastor Michael, man. <laughs> Out of a cloud and always listen to thinking it out loud. It'll change your life. It'll do it. And every time you watch and listen, it'll change your life every day. Tune in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show every Tuesday at 8 p.m. with radio host Michael Nimmons. Available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now available for download on the Detroit Praise Network app.
told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you to believe who told you that you were naked is a dynamic empowering and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have pastor nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the garden of eden you don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis but the discovery of the spiritual solution Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. If you believe in social justice, if you believe that black lives matter, if you believe that voting will bring about a change in November, if you believe that Jesus Christ is king, then you need to be listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I'm radio host Michael Nemens, and if all of your answers are yes, then you need to join me Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Available everywhere you listen to your podcast, including michaelnemons.com. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Could lead a Marty March. And that's what the young people here today and listening all across the country must take away from this day. You are America. Unconstrained by habit and convention. Unencumbered by what is because you're ready to seize what ought to be. For everywhere in this country, there are first steps to be taken. There's new ground to cover. There are more bridges to be crossed. And it is you, the young and fearless at heart, the most diverse and educated generation in our history who the nation is waiting to follow. Because Selma shows us that America's not the project of any one person. Because the single most powerful word in our democracy is the word we. We the people. We shall overcome. Yes, we can. That word is owned by no one. It belongs to everyone. Oh, what a what a glorious task we are given to continually try to improve this great nation of ours. 50 years from Bloody Sunday, our march is not yet finished, but we're getting closer. 239 years after this nation's founding, our union is not yet perfect, but we are getting closer. Our job's easier because somebody already got us through that first mile. Somebody already got us over that bridge. When it feels the road's too hard, when the torch we've been passed feels too heavy, we will remember these early travelers and draw strength from their example and hold firmly to the words of the prophet Isaiah. 
Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We honor those who walked so we could run. We must run so our children soar and we will not grow weary for we believe in the power of an awesome God and we believe in this country's sacred promise. May he bless those warriors of justice no longer with us and bless the United States of America. Thank you, everybody. We are back on A Promised Land Presidential Memoirs Book Series edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Wow, that is a mouthful. (laughs) Uh, So happy that uh, you guys are tuned in to tonight's show. And as we said before the break, uh, we're going to be um, talking about A Promised Land uh, Presidential Memoir, Volume 1, that... um, uh, President, former President Barack Obama recently released and I'm sure you are just as excited as I am to talk about the book. It's going to be a loose discussion of the book. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the book, Obama's Legacy and much, much more in the next two shows. So uh, it's going to be a great discussion, a great conversation. I know we've talked about President Obama and past shows, uh, but I have to say that I've really been waiting for this book to come out, to read it, and to also uh, discuss it uh, during our podcast because uh, he is, in my view, one of the most transformative presidents in our U.S. history. Uh, you know, and when you read the book, you really discover uh, just how intelligent, just how charismatic and uh, diplomatic uh, this man was and how much uh, he brought to the table as the first black president of these United States. And so um, in this segment, we're going to be talking about some of our first impressions of President Obama's book, A Promised Land. Again, it's going to be a loose discussion of the book, and um, it is uh, definitely a very interesting book to read. It's broken up into seven parts. Uh, part one is called The Bet. Part two is called Yes, We Can. Part three is called The Renegade. Part four is The Good Fight. Part five, The World As It Is. Uh, part six, In the Barrel. And part seven, On the High Wire. Um, and uh, we're about two thirds of the way uh, through this book. And again, a very, very uh, insightful book, uh, behind the scenes uh, look at uh, the life of President Barack Obama. And then again, this first segment, we're going to be giving you some of our first impressions of uh, our uh, read of A Promised Land. You know, uh, Barack wasn't the prototypical multi-generational wealthy aristocrat groom for the White House. Uh, I think that was one of the things he wanted to uh one of the messages he wanted to convey, especially to the young people that read the book, that 
you know, he wasn't uh, the best and brightest student uh, in the class, uh, even as a teenager. Uh, he didn't get serious about his education until almost uh, the time he got to college or when he was in college. Um, <clears throat> and, uh you know, the part about, you know, being born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You know, most of the 43 U.S. presidents all came from uh, wealthy families. Uh, they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Um, you know, wealth was what they were accustomed to. And uh, the presidency was an office that many of them uh, were, you know, and their family were aspiring to leadership. Uh, you know, power. They looked at that office as a um, a lateral move in some cases. <clears throat> but President Obama, former President Obama, did not have that at all in his purview uh, as a child and as an adolescent. Um, you know, he, like many uh, black young people, saw that office as uh, fairly exclusive. It was you know, out of reach. Uh, and as you read the book, you discover that that is the perception of not just, uh, you know, some black people, but most black people. Um, you know, he was a marginal average student that his mother had to constantly admonish and encourage to study and to read books. He didn't come again from a wealthy pedigree that bred successful intellectuals uh, or businessmen, you know, the Kennedys, the Rockefellers, you know, uh, just to name a few. But it, it came about through hard work, diligence and determination. And that is the prevailing message that I believe um, Barack wanted to um, convey, especially to the young people that read this book. And and by doing so, give them uh, the uh, the inspiration and the motivation that if he did it, they can do it, too. In fact, he talks about a time when he had the conversation with his wife, Michelle, about uh, why he wanted to run for president of the United States. In fact, you know, she asked him, why you, Barack? Why you, Barack? And 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 he said that I might be able to spark a new era of politics or get a new generation to participate or bridge the division in the country better than other candidates could. Uh, but who knows? There's no guarantee we can pull it off. Here's one thing I do know for sure, though. I know that the day I raise my hand and take the oath to be the president of the United States, the world would start looking at America differently. I know the kids all around the country, black kids, Hispanic kids, kids who don't fit in, they'll see themselves differently, too. Their horizons lifted, their possibilities expanded, and that alone, that would be worth it. And again, I, I truly believe that um, not only did he believe that, but that was the reason, the, one of the primary reasons why uh, he decided to run for president of the United States and be the first black president of this country. That statement summarized what I believe Obama really felt about the opportunity not just to be president of the United States, but to be elected the first black president of the United States. And it was probably one of those rare occasions where he could be uh, candid and honest about being the first 
black president and what that would mean, not just for him, but for people around the country and the world. You have to think about uh, one thing about, you know, his life and running for uh, the presidency uh, at that particular time, you know, his life was already, uh, you know, very public. Uh, you know, he had been a successful U.S. senator for four years, run a successful campaign uh, as a senator for Illinois and a U.S. senator for Illinois. And, uh, you know, he had kind of a rock star status and as we talk about throughout this 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 series uh he writes in his book about how uh after his successful run as a u.s senator uh you know he was almost egged on or edged on and influenced to run for president uh, even in his first year as a freshman senator from illinois there were uh you know top Democrats in his own party that were asking him questions about well, when are you going to run for president you know he he hadn't even gotten into his office really good yet as a U.S. senator and already had been there were already talks and discussions about him possibly running for uh, for president of the United States but one thing the book does share uh, he shares his insights on how he actually felt about the possibility of not just running for uh, president of the United States, but also being uh, the first black president of the United States, which is something that, you know, in watching all of this play out in real time uh, eight years ago, uh, you didn't see that. You you weren't privy to that. And that's the thing that I liked about the book is that he really shared what uh, he felt, uh, you know, he would bring to the table as the first black president of these United States. Another thing that I thought was interesting, uh, as I read uh, part one, The Bet, it talked about his relationship with uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama and and how, uh, you know, they got along and how, first of all, how they met. And, of course, we all know that they were both attorneys at the time. He was interning at her law firm, and that's how they became acquainted with each other and uh, eventually started a relationship and a eventually got married <clears throat> but what's interesting to me is uh after they got married that you know barack began to uh pursue a political career or career in politics uh starting off as a uh a, a community organizer and then moving from there to a uh, state senator of illinois uh and then from u.s uh, state senator from illinois to u.s senator and then ultimately to the presidency of these United States. Uh, but, uh, you know, Michelle was not a, a, as supportive of his political career as it kind of looked, uh, looked like in the public's view, in the public's eye. And then again, that's another uh, reason to read the book because it kind of, he shares very candidly, you know, what uh, challenges he faced, not just from uh, those from without, but from those 
from within uh, his own uh, inner circle, including his own wife, Michelle Obama. And uh, what I found interesting was that Michelle was his closest ally, but also... Uh, you know, I hate to put it this way, but his his worst enemy, because she was the one who uh, he had to constantly convince to pursue another level in his career, even though it was his idealism and optimism as a young law student interning at her law firm that attracted her to him in the first place. You know, so my question is, so why when he wanted to activate some of those dreams and goals that he talked about before they got married, it was such a hard sell when they were married? You know, I always wondered why when reading this, it seemed like Michelle, when he wanted to pursue uh, the, the, you know, some of the dreams and visions he had, they may have talked about. Uh, prior to uh, them getting married and it was his idealism it was his optimism that was some of the things that attracted her attracted her to him that when he wanted to pursue those uh, as a uh, you know as her husband that you know it was a hard sell for her and um, and even to the to the degree that when he told her he first told her he wanted to run for president of the united states he said this is it barack this is it and and she went on to say one last time but don't expect me to do any campaigning in fact you shouldn't even count on my vote let me say that again yeah you heard it right she said this is it barack this is it one last time but don't expect me to do any campaigning in fact you shouldn't even count on my vote yes she said this guys and he put it in and he put it in his book he put it in his book and uh you know i i was re- when i first read that i was just hollering laughing at 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 at, at her candor and um, her frankness this is it you know one last time and i'm not going to do any campaigning for you and you shouldn't even count on me for my vote this coming from his closest partner in life his wife, his spouse, and she is telling him, this is it, and don't expect me to campaign for you, and you shouldn't even expect (laughs) for my vote. Now, of course, some of that was probably said in anger, you know, and in jest, because, uh, you know, we all know she did campaign for uh, Barack Obama uh, for president, and uh, she did uh, ultimately vote for him. I I hope we hope she did, you know, but uh, but I, I believe that, you know, when he approached her with the subject, it might have may have caught her off guard or, or whatever, whatever. But um, we know that uh, she did campaign for him and in fact you know she was one of the uh the beneficiaries 
of his vision because you know uh, I heard it said that when you you know become president the first lady is your plus one I mean she's not elected you know she's go she's going along with going along uh, for the ride so to speak uh, and and so um, you know she gets to live in in the White House the the, the West Wing the, the 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 private residence of the White House you know and uh, th- there's a, a number of uh, you know accoutrements that go along with being the first family of the country we're going to talk about the first black family in the next uh, edition of this uh, series this book series but um, you know she was definitely a beneficiary of uh, you know his ambition and his vision to become the first black president of the United States and you know for her not to have seen that prior to him becoming the president uh, to me was a bit frustrating I know if it was frustrating for me reading it or or surprising for me reading it then it had to be just as surprising and maybe even more so for Barack and that was her husband so these are just a few things that kind of stood out to me uh, as I was reading uh, A Promised Land and uh, you know again looking at their life uh, from the outside and many of us are looking at their life from the outside looking in uh, they look like they were um, a a very uh, supportive couple they look like they were a team and uh, it's only when you read the book and you 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 find that you know they were challenged in their private life and they were challenged in uh in several different ways much like we are because they're human beings just like we are uh but uh we read that and i thought that was something that i wanted to share because again their their life was not a norman rockwell painting like many of us thought it was Uh, and again we're going to talk about the first black family and what are the implications you know what were the challenges that they faced and uh, and how they uh, met those challenges because I think it was remarkable uh, for uh, not just America but for black America to see those images uh, in magazines and in the news and in the media uh, on a regular basis and how they can carry themselves and how they conducted themselves we're going to get deeper into that discussion in the next edition of um, this uh a, bo- a promised land the presidential memoir book series so look forward to that let me just say this because i don't want to uh leave the discussion uh you know here uh negatively in in re- with regards to michelle's perception of obama's run for the presidency uh but uh, she did come back and offer a mea culpa <laughs> uh offer an apology uh to to, uh, Barack once uh, he did uh, you know win the president she came back and said I can't believe you pulled the whole thing off the campaign the book I said to her in response this is Barack magic beans 
magic beans. <laughs> so, so you know, he was able to, you know, I think he put that in there uh, in jest to her, uh, but also to show uh, his readers and those of us who follow their life, their very public life, um, some insight into their private life as well. Again, uh, to just show you that, you know, they weren't, um, you know, always on the same page. And most couples are not. And we understand that. Uh, but uh, they just looked the part in public and for them to be challenged they how to be challenged the way they were in private is just something uh, that I believe is noteworthy so um, but those are some of my first impressions of uh, you know the, the, the book A Promised Land there's much more I could say uh, about the book but I encourage you to go out and purchase it it is definitely a great read we're going to be talking more about the book throughout uh, these two weeks that we are talking about the Obama legacy of promised land uh, go out and get it it's going to certainly uh, I think uh, help you and un- better understanding you know the not, not just the life of uh, the Obamas but also what actually goes into uh, being president of the United States. Uh, it's a lot to consider and uh, you know coming especially coming from one I think of the greatest presidents uh, in US history. So guys, we're going to take our next break of the night. But when we come back, we're going to get into Barack's journey into politics and running the first successful black presidential campaign. Guys, you don't want to go anywhere. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Demiree Graphics. In need of a logo design for your business, then check out Demiree Graphics. Need flyers, business cards, t-shirts, or website for your business, then check out Demiree Graphics. The people at Demiree Graphics will get you right for your next business venture. They're professional, creative, courteous, and they get the job done right every time. Check out the team at Demiree Graphics. Give them a call today at 734-219-5266. Demiree Graphics, bringing your imagination to life. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today. The Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. Think 
Thinking Out Loud swag is here. T-shirts, polos, hoodies, letterman's jackets, and even face masks. All priced affordably and in a variety of colors and sizes. Just visit michaelnimmons.com to purchase your favorite Thinking Out Loud radio show swag. Get yours today and rep the show out loud. Minneapolis, Minnesota to London, England, from New Zealand to New York City. Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. to ourselves, our nation, and the world. Duties that we do not grudgingly accept, but rather seize gladly, firm in the knowledge that there is nothing so satisfying to the spirit, so defining of our character, and giving our all to a difficult task. This is the price and the promise of citizenship. This is the source of our confidence, the knowledge that God calls on us to shape an uncertain destiny. This is the meaning of our liberty and our creed, why men and women and children of every race and every faith can join in celebration across this magnificent mall. Why a man whose father less than 60 years ago might not have been served at a local restaurant can now stand before you to take a most sacred oath. Let us mark this day in remembrance of who we are and how far we have traveled. In the year of America's birth, in the coldest of months, a small band of patriots huddled by dying campfires on the shores of an icy river. The capital was abandoned. The enemy was advancing. The snow was stained with blood. The moment when the outcome of our revolution was most in doubt, the father of our nation ordered these words be read to the people. Let it be told to the future world that in the depth of winter, when nothing but hope and virtue could survive, that the city and the country, alarmed at one common danger, came forth to meet it. 
America, in the face of our common dangers, in this winter of our hardship, let us remember these timeless words. With hope and virtue, let us brave once more the icy currents and endure what storms may come. Let it be said by our children's children that when we were tested, we refused to let this journey end, that we did not turn back nor did we falter. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth that great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. We are back on A Promised Land, Presidential Memoirs, book series edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And as we said before the break, we're going to be continuing our um, discussion of former President Barack Obama's newest book, A Promised Land. Uh, This is a book that has been highly anticipated, not just by me, but I'm sure by many, many people. Uh, In fact, when it debuted uh, just a few months ago, the first First day it sold 900,000 copies so you can again imagine uh, you know that it's already a number one book a number one New York Times bestseller and this is just volume one of his presidential memoirs and, and so and again it's a dynamic book I highly recommend that you go out and purchase it if you are all, at all interested in uh, the life of uh, and the legacy of former President Barack Obama he takes us behind the the scenes um, of his childhood, his teenage years, adolescent years, all the way up until, um, you know, him becoming the 44th president of these United States. And it is a, again, a very descriptive book. Uh, He's very candid and honest about things, uh, particularly about his relationship with his wife. We talked about that uh, in the first segment that, you know, there weren't a Norman Rockwell couple like we all thought uh, and you know not that they did not love each other of course because I'm sure uh, they do and they did uh, during that time but um, they did they were challenged because of his political pursuits and what he wanted to accomplish uh, as an individual and so um, he talked about it honestly and uh, I, I appreciated that because again as an spectator someone on the outside looking in watching their life play out in front of us it appeared as if you know they were the perfect couple they were a team and things kind of just jammed but uh, he he talks about in his book how uh, he had to constantly uh, you know convince his spouse that uh, you know he was moving in the right direction and that this next political move would be the one that uh, would be successful and that <clears throat> he, if, if she just gave him his her support uh, that they would be uh, successful so. Um, I, I also want to make a correction because in the last segment I did say that, um, uh, you know, she mentioned or said to him after his presidential run uh, that you you did uh, you did make it work. You you accomplished it. She said, I can't believe you pulled this whole thing off the campaign, the book. 
uh, and and he said Magic Beans, Magic Beans. Actually, that was his U.S. Senate run back in 2004, and he uh, he had told her prior to running that um, you know he was going to this this opportunity became available and he needed her support and so uh, you know she she re- uh, reluctantly went along with it uh, but um, when he did and uh, win and was ultimately victorious her response to him was I can't believe you pulled the whole thing off the campaign the book uh, and he said magic beans magic beans and the book was um, uh, tales or dreams of my father dreams of my father he he re- it was a reprint of that once uh, he uh, won the U.S. Senate uh, for uh, the state of Illinois, <clears throat> and and so just want to make that correction there. But again, uh, they had some uh, very contentious discussions and debates regarding his political aspirations, and uh, we talked in the last segment about how you know take it for what it's worth that when you're dating someone and and they you know you, you're expressing to them your visions and your dreams and they're impressed with your idealism and 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 what you want to accomplish and all of that uh and and how that is what drew drew them to you but then once you're married and you want to start to pursue those dreams uh it, you know sometimes it becomes a problem and i just uh, thought it was interesting that he mentioned that uh, in there particularly when he was talking about running for president and she told him not even to expect her vote <laughs> and that just really was shockingly surprising uh, because we know that uh, she campaigned for him and of course she did vote for him uh, but she also uh, was a beneficiary of his success as well because she would not have been uh, first lady of anything had he not been elected the first black president of the United States. So there you have it, guys. I mean, you know, she she did ultimately come along uh, with him because she understood that, um, you know, th- this this was a team effort and that, uh, you know, she had to uh, be uh, vested in this in order for uh, it to work and but again it's so interesting because we're looking as spectators we're on the outside looking in but his in but his book invites us inside uh not just his life but their marriage their relationship his family his politics and all of that and and that is the uh you know the the riveting part about reading this book and again I highly recommend it but in this segment on tonight we're going to be talking about uh, his political campaigns uh, because he he uh, he did have several of them before he decided to run for uh, president of the United States and then we're also going to talk about his successful run uh, 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 successful race as the first black presidential uh, not candidate but winner of the presidency so we're going to talk about that and the significance of that uh, in this segment as well 
So in the book, uh, part two, Yes, We Can, uh, this is where it chronicles uh, President Obama's uh, run for uh, the presidency. But before we even go there, of course, we have to start back where... um, you know, he initially decided to get into politics, and that was as a community organizer. And, and it's interesting that he decided to start there as a community organizer because it is from the grassroots level that uh, he felt he could really connect with people, that he could really connect with uh, his community, with uh, the people of his neighborhood, uh, the people in the south side of Chicago at the time. And, you know, he had a gift for oratory. Uh, He had a charisma that was gravitating, that people gravitated towards, uh, I think, which was also a big part of his success as uh, a political candidate at whatever race he decided to run. But as a community organizer, the book talks about, you know, him meeting with, uh, you know, the community, having town halls and and trying to really get down to the nut and bolts of what was needed in uh, in the neighborhoods and in their communities. And it was at that point that he decided uh, that he could do more if he got into uh, politics because uh, he saw that it was going to be through legislation and through uh, legislative policy that he was really going to be able to effectuate change in the communities that he was trying to help. And so he decided to go back to school after graduating from Columbia University with his bachelor's degree. He went on to Harvard Law School uh, as a law student there and became the first black president of the Harvard Law Review. And this was, uh, again, one of the first of his many uh, accomplishments, uh, not just as a student, uh, but as um, an individual that in, was, uh, you know, dedicated to pursuing excellence in uh, everything that he set his mind to do. And it was in 1996 where Obama was elected to the Illinois Senate, succeeding Democratic State Senator Alice Palmer uh, from Illinois' 13th district, which at the time spanned Chicago's south side neighborhoods from High Park, Kenwood South to the South Shore and west to Chicago Lawn. And here again, Obama uh, expanded on his uh, approach to helping uh, people by moving from um, just being a community organizer to now being an elected official that could effectuate policy in those same neighborhoods and communities that he was trying to help as a community organizer. Up until this point, he was a virtual unknown. You know, people really did not know who he was on a national scale. Uh, he was a local politician, a state senator in Illinois. Again, uh, Uh, working to help the people uh, in uh, his particular district. However, uh, there was a point where uh, the, the nation became very familiar with 
this this young rising star in 2004 coming off the heels of a successful U.S. Senate run for the state of Illinois. He had the distinguished honor and opportunity to be the keynote speaker at the Democratic National Convention. Here's a clip of that. Take a listen. Now, now let me be clear. Let me be clear. We have real enemies in the world. These enemies must be found, they must be pursued, and they must be defeated. John Kerry knows this. And just as Lieutenant Kerry did not hesitate to risk his life to protect the men who served with him in Vietnam, President Kerry will not hesitate one moment to use our military might to keep America safe and secure. John Kerry believes in America. And he knows that it's not enough for just some of us to prosper. For alongside our famous individualism, there's another ingredient in the American saga, a belief that we're all connected as one people. If there is a child on the south side of Chicago who can't read, that matters to me even if it's not my child. If there's a senior citizen somewhere who can't pay for their prescription drugs and having to choose between medicine and the rent, that makes my life poorer, even if it's not my grandparent. If there's an Arab-American family being rounded up without benefit of an attorney or due process, that threatens my civil liberties. It is that fundamental belief. It is that fundamental belief. I am my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper that makes this country work. It's what allows us to pursue our individual dreams and yet still come together as one American family. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. Now, even as we speak, there are those who are preparing to divide us. The spin masters, the negative ad peddlers, who embrace the politics of anything goes. Well. I say to them tonight, there is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. There is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There's the United States of America. The pundits, the pundits like to slice and dice our country into red states and blue states, red states for Republicans, blue states for Democrats. But I've got news for them, too. We worship an awesome God in the blue states, and we don't like federal agents poking around in our libraries in the red states. We coach Little League in the blue states, and yes, we've got some gay friends in the red states. There are patriots who oppose the war in Iraq, and there are patriots who supported the war in Iraq. We are one people, all of us pledging allegiance to the Stars and Stripes, all of us defending the United States of America. And it was after this speech, uh, he was on an upward trajectory in this political sphere uh, that would propel him to uh, the presidency of the United States. I mean, he didn't look back after that. 
as a young uh, freshman senator uh, in the United States Senate, uh, he had already began fielding phone calls from top Democrats who were urging him and questioning when he was going to run for president of the United States. And again, that's, I'm, sure, I'm sure a huge compliment coming from someone who started as a community organizer who had no designs on running for the highest office in the land, really just wanting to do something in their community, really just wanting to find ways to help uh, those in need. And here he was now given an opportunity, a platform uh, that, you know, could propel him to the highest office in the land. Now, there had been uh, several other black uh, African Americans who had tried to run for president uh, and were not successful. Again, we talked about them: uh, Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, Reverend Jesse Jackson, and Reverend Al Sharpton, just to name a few. But they were not successful in their run, and in part because uh, they ran as the quote-unquote black candidate. And it's dangerous to run as a quote-unquote black candidate because you automatically restrict yourself to a certain demographic or to a ethnicity that uh, confines you and possibly even restricts you uh, in the national political arena. And, you know, it's hard for uh, white America to, uh, to to relate to you because you're, you're, you are coming off as the black candidate or you're being billed as the black candidate. And that is not what Barack Obama wanted to be. And he understood that that was not going to be the recipe for success for him. Uh, he decided to run as a candidate for all America. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. He realized that he was not going to just be the president of black America, but he was going to be the president of the United States of America. And if that was going to be the case, then he had to run a candidacy that encompassed all of this country. Every segment, every demographic, it had to be a, a campaign that encompassed uh, all people. And, uh, you know, that came with uh, its challenges. It came with its setbacks because, you know, as a black candidate, the your black constituency wants you to put their needs, their concerns at the top of your list of priorities or your the, the, the issues that uh, should be addressed first. And that was not what he what he understood to be a, a winning uh, recipe and and so he did not do that and you know some were turned off by that uh, you know um, but <clears throat> he continued on with uh, the plan and the strategy that he had in place. One good thing I will say about him was he definitely had a team of uh, successful people surrounding him 
and giving him good advice uh, and wisdom on how to run uh, a successful presidential campaign. The same team that he used to run for the United States Senate successfully. The same team that helped that he used to to run for the state Senate for Illinois. It was a team that was with him from day one. And he continued to build on that team as he went throughout his political career. That I, I'm running for president or he was not just in it uh, symbolically uh, to to, uh, you know, uh, to have the, the 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 plight of black America elevated to the national political arena. But he was running because he believed, along with his team, that he could actually win the White House. And I, that that is a very significant uh, point to make because, uh you know, even though no one had done it before him, he still had it in his mind that it was possible. And that is one of the considerations that comes along with being first or being the first one to ever do something. Regardless of who went before you and failed, the opportunity is still there for you to succeed. Oh, I wish I had a witness in here. <laughs> I hope I'm not just talking to myself. Regardless of who came before you and failed, the opportunity for you to succeed is still there. And that is the mindset that he had as a candidate for president of the United States. Not a black candidate, but as a candidate for uh, the presidency of the United States. So, so very very important for you to understand that because uh, you know blacks had become uh, complacent and apathetic when it came to a black man or a black candidate running for the highest office in the land but he did not subscribe to that apathy he did not subscribe to that complacency he believed that he could win the presidency in large part because of how successful his U.S. Senate run was as an African-American coming from the state of Illinois. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, he could see how uh, the events that he had, the rallies that he had uh, as a state senator, a U.S. senator, uh, the rallies were packed out stadiums and, uh, you know, hundreds of uh, tens of thousands of people there, uh, you know, at rallies. He was uh, his status as a politician and public figure was continuing to rise. And so what he wanted to do was ride the wave right on to the White House. And that was a strategy that was in his mind, a winning strategy, and history tells us that it was a strategy that ultimately won him the presidency. But another part of uh, the campaign that I wanted to address, especially given the fact that he was not running as the black candidate, although uh, his race was something that, you know, he could not, uh, you know, hide. You know, his ethnicity was not something that 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 was that he could just pushed to the background, even though he was trying his best to run a campaign not based solely on race or not even based on race, but race became a factor. It really did. 
uh, in fact, it was also the part in this book where he discussed his relationship he had with former pastor Dr. Jeremiah Wright, pastor of Trinity Methodist Church, who ultimately became a casualty of Obama's campaign, not literally, not just literally, but figuratively and politically. It was those challenges and perceptions that he faced during his candidacy that helped equip him for the job of the presidency. If you recall, uh, it was during his presidential run that there was footage of uh, the you know his his current pastor or former pastor uh, now Dr. Jeremiah Wright that came out. Uh, you know, Dr. Jeremiah Wright is a scholar, uh, intellectual, uh, dynamic uh, pastor in his own right. But this footage had him, uh, you know, talking, criticizing this country's roots, uh, you know, in slavery. And uh, this controversial footage came out. You know, coincidentally, uh, during Obama's presidential run, and some would even say it was done intentionally uh, by the Clinton campaign to get Obama to address the pink elephant in the room, which was race. And it forced Obama to address race during his presidential campaign and put together a speech, a speech that he called the most inconsequential speech of his presidential campaign, and he ta- he entitled it Race in America. Here's a clip of it. Take a listen. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, 221 years ago, In a hall that still stands across the street, a group of men gathered and with these simple words launched America's improbable experiment in democracy. Farmers and scholars, statesmen and patriots who had traveled across the ocean to escape tyranny and persecution, finally made real their declaration of independence at a Philadelphia convention that lasted through the spring of 1787. The document they produced was eventually signed, but ultimately unfinished. It was stained by this nation's original sin of slavery, a question that divided the colonies and brought the convention to a stalemate until the founders chose to allow the slave trade to continue for at least 20 more years and to leave any final resolution to future generations. Of course, the answer to the slavery question was already embedded within our Constitution, a Constitution that had at its very core the ideal of equal citizenship under the law, a Constitution that promised its people liberty and justice and a union that could be and should be perfected over time. And yet words on a parchment would not be enough to deliver slaves from bondage or provide men and women of every color and creed their full rights and obligations as citizens of the United States. What would be needed were Americans in successive generations who were willing to do their part through protests and struggles 
on the streets and in the courts through a civil war and civil disobedience, and always at great risk, to narrow that gap between the promise of our ideals and the reality of their time. This was one of the tasks we set forth at the beginning of this presidential campaign, to continue the long march of those who came before us, a march for a more just, more equal, more free, more caring, and more prosperous America. I chose to run for president at this moment in history because I believe deeply that we cannot solve the challenges of our time unless we solve them together, unless we perfect our union by understanding that we may have different stories, but we hold common hopes, that we may not look the same and may not have come from the same place, but we all want to move in the same direction towards a better future for our children and our grandchildren. So you can see, I mean, Obama was a very powerful orator. He was one that uh, definitely was able to connect with his constituents. Uh, and he, you know, he was able to, um, you know, put the, the themes of his campaign uh, in very clear language that, uh, you know, was attractive to his constituents. I mean, you remember the buttons with hope on it and, and change on it. Uh, you know, he he was um, he was successful in uh, being able to really connect with uh, those who were his supporters. And so this is just kind of like a little trip down memory lane. And again, I said this earlier, as you read A Promised Land, you're not only reading it and thinking about, uh, you know, the the life and uh, legacy of President Obama as he shares with you some of his insights insights into his life and behind the scenes uh you know behind the scenes look at his life you also are looking at it from your perspective as well thinking about where you were what you were doing when this happened and when that happened the campaign accomplishments and how it directly or indirectly related to what you were doing at the time and so that's again another reason why this book is such a great read and i highly recommend it uh for you as well. Well, guys, I'm going to take uh, another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the impact and significance of being the first black president of the United States. Guys, you're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, one of the hottest radio shows online. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Thinking Out Loud swag is here. T-shirts, 
polos, hoodies, letterman's jackets, and even face masks. All priced affordably and in a variety of colors and sizes. Just visit michaelnimmons.com to purchase your favorite Thinking Out Loud radio show swag. Get yours today and rep the show out loud. All pro football player Derek Mason on Jay Z in the NFL. Jay Z said, you know, we're past milling. Because Jay Z, you may be past milling, but the guys that are still milling, the guys that are still fighting for injustice, they're not past milling. Everybody's screaming that, oh, Jay Z's at the table now. We should be happy that one of us is at the table. Just because you're at the table doesn't mean we all eat the same. Poet and lyricist Ty Scott King on the culture of CHH. My brain is overloaded. Like, I think a lot of people are like, man, there's not really many people doing this. There are thousands of very amazing artists that are doing Christian hip-hop. So I think about Aaron Cole. I think about Stephen Malcolm, who, if there's someone that could hear an interview and be like, I want to work with him, like, he would be a person that I, I would love to work with. He's just a phenomenal rapper, just really creative. Wande, she's another one that, uh, another artist that I had on my radio show. She is, um, Wande is maybe in her early 20s. She's doing a lot of stuff now with Reach Records and just really different, <laughs> really, um, going against the grain. Griff from Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell on what he does besides comedy. Yeah, yeah. Comedy is always my first my first job. Radio is my side job, but I just um, got a nonprofit. I've been working with other people's nonprofits for the last 30 years, um, and I just created my own nonprofit, 501c3, called the Process Success Foundation to deal with leadership. And basically, I'm just gonna take a bunch of young men on field trips all around the world. And I can show you how during the NHL season that all basketball stadiums have ice on them with the hardwood over the ice. Once I show you those processes, then I can teach you the process of forgiveness. I can teach you the process of love. I can teach you the process of being grateful. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister, Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision. Vision. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked.
If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy, tonight is your answer. It's the answer told by lines that stretched around schools and churches in numbers this nation has never seen, by people who waited three hours and four hours, many for the first time in their lives, because they believed that this time must be different, that their voices could be that difference. It's the answer spoken by young and old, rich and poor, Democrat and Republican, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, gay, straight, disabled and not disabled. Americans who sent a message to the world that we have never been just a collection of individuals or a collection of red states and blue states. We are and always will be the United States of America. We are back on the A Promised Land Presidential Memoir Book Series edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I'm your host, Michael Nimmons, and guys, I'm just excited about this opportunity to discuss President Obama's, former President Obama's latest or newest book entitled A Promised Land. Just a loose discussion of his book and his legacy as well. We've been having a great discussion about uh, this book and how he talks about not just his childhood and adolescence, but he talks about his political career all the way until uh, the uh, first four years of his presidency. This is volume one in what he's calling his presidential memoirs, A Promised Land. Highly recommend that you check this book out. I'm about two thirds of the way through it and I've just been enjoying it and I've wanted to share uh, you know, my thoughts on the book as well as uh, the legacy of President Obama uh, in these uh, two shows that we're doing about a promised land. Uh, I think he is one of the most transformative presidents uh, in this country's history. And I think this discussion is very appropriate given the fact that we are in uh, the transition of uh, an outgoing administration, one of the worst, if not the worst administrations in presidential history in U.S. history going into yet another administration uh, in just a few days. And so uh, given the fact that that is happening, I think it was so appropriate for us to talk about, uh, you know, the legacy of this transformative president in the person of uh, Barack Obama. The, again, this is a, a powerful book and I highly recommend it. In this segment, we're going to be talking about the impact, the significance of being the first black president of the United States of America. And, um, you know, there was just so much that came out of uh, the eight years that he was president and watching him. Uh, 
uh, a very charismatic, intelligent, you know, some would even call, some would even say suave uh, leader. He had swag. Many people said that, uh, you know, he knew uh, the position that he held and, and, and he carried himself uh, in a uh, in a way that. Uh, required respect, demanded respect, uh, and uh, reminds me of a line in uh, Rutger Kipling's um, poem, If. Uh, if you could walk with kings and yet keep the common touch. And that is... Uh, I believe uh, what President Obama did and even talked about in his book, you know, he was able to walk with kings as president of the United States, but yet he never lost the common touch. Uh, there's pictures of him uh, walking through the White House, uh, uh, shaking the hands of the custodians and the janitors and the cooks and the individuals who were considered to be his uh, subservience or servants, uh, those who are subservient to him or those of a lower class uh, on his, those that are not necessarily on his level, but he still was able to appreciate them and make them feel like they were significant and that they were important. I thought that was uh, one of uh, the great qualities of his uh, that uh, I admired. <clears throat> and and so uh, him being the first black president uh, that came with a lot of uh, responsibility, uh, came with uh, a lot of challenges, I'm sure. Uh, there are uh, individuals, you know, people, journalists and authors that wrote about that. Uh, one in particular is uh, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, who is someone that I admire, uh, read a lot of his books. In fact, he wrote about uh, Obama's presidency in, the, in his book. Uh, the black presidency and in his book he was uh, I thought a bit critical of Obama because uh, you know uh, he thought like some black people or, or many black people I should say that 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 Obama should have uh Put the black agenda a bit higher on his list of things to do while he was president. And um, I guess I figured and I thought that, you know, individuals like himself would understand the challenges that came along with not just being a black president, but being the first black president and how uh, how hard and complicated and arduous a task that would be. Um, particularly because uh, it seemed like he was always operating within a restricted framework um, as president of the United States. You know, white America uh, seemed to keep him or try to keep him uh, within uh, a certain certain parameters that he only had to work when work within or operate from within. He would tell you that, you know, there were times where it felt like he was walking a tightrope as president, uh, in particular because he was the black president. Uh, that was something, again, that regardless of he whether he addressed it or not, he was the black president. He was a black president. The, by virtue of the color of his skin, that was something that he could not 
uh, get away from. It was undeniable. Uh, however, uh, even though he would not formally address that uh, all the time or even as much as we might have liked, uh, it was still a fact that he could not get around. Um, and so uh, in in Dyson's uh, book, The Black Presidency, uh, he says that uh, President Obama uh, could have been a bit more uh, black, so to speak, uh, when it come when it came to addressing the plight of Black America, you know, before President Obama became president, and even before he came onto the political scene, uh, there were I remember comedians like Richard Pryor that would joke about, and Eddie Murphy that would joke about what uh, you know it would be like if we had a Black president. In fact, let me just play a clip of a uh, skit that Richard Pryor did as the first black president. Take a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, the 40th president of the United States. President, uh, Tom Matthews, UPI. Uh, Mr. President, earlier this year you said that you would travel anywhere in the world to further the cause of peace. Uh, considering the worsening situation in the Mideast, are you planning a trip there in the near future? We have no definite plans as of yet to go to the Mideast, but we do plan maybe perhaps in a couple of years if the settlement and the agreements have not been reached by that time. Richards, AP. Yes, Mr. Thank you, Mr. President. I'd like to ask you a question, which I'm sure the American people would like to know. Do you feel that within the fiscal year, the unemployment rate will drop below the 5% level? Well, as you know, the 5% level pertains mostly to, if I may say, white America. In the black America, the minority situations is up to as high as 45%. <laughs> and we plan to, with all our efforts, try to lower that rate to about 20% in the black areas, and of course it will be lower in the white areas, of course. We're trying to do this and merge a United States. Right right <laughs> Mr. President, Mr. President. Yes. Uh, Arthur Williams, Chicago Sun-Herald. You've just okayed a $250 million increase in our space program. What I'd like to know, is the main reason you did this so we can finally recruit black people for the space program? I feel it's time that black people went to space. Uh, <laughs> white people have been going to space for years. Uh, and spacing out on us, as you might say. And I feel with the, the projects that we have in mind, we're going to send explorer ships through other galaxies. And no longer will they have the same type of music, Beethoven, Brahms, and Tchaikovsky. From now on, we have little Miles Davis and Charlie Parker. <laughs> Different kind of things in there. Yes, ma'am. Roberta Davies, Jet Magazine. <laughs> Mr. President, on your list of candidates for director of the FBI, are you including the name of Huey Newton? 
Yes, I figure that Huey Newton is best qualified. He knows the ins and outs of the FBI. If anybody knows the ins and outs. And he would be an excellent director. Yo, blood. <laughs> yeah, Brother Bell from Ebony Magazine. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Select a line. All right. <laughs> What you looking at, Snow White? Uh, brother, about blacks and the labor force. I want to know what you're going to do about having more black brothers as quarterbacks in the National Football Hunker League. Okay. Right on. I plan not only to have lots of black quarterbacks, but we're going to have black coaches and black owners of teams. As long as it's going to be football, going to be some black in it somewhere. Right on. Doing something All right. Because I'm tired of this mess that's been going down. Right. You know what I mean? Ever since the Rams got rid of James Harris, I've been my job in up top, you know what I'm talking about? So we're going to get down on the case now. Yes, what, what is it? Miss <laughs> so there you have it, you know, he, as you can see, the press conference when it first started out, you know, he was very, you know, what you would call presidential. And, and as the white uh, journalists were asking him questions, the white reporters asking him questions, he was answering them, you know, uh, speaking the, the in the white dialect, so to speak. But then when, uh, you know, his black, uh, the black journalists or the black reporters were asking him questions, then that's when he became uh a little bit more blacker or black. That's when he became the black president, so to speak. And and um and and that is a part of the the conversation that author Michael Eric Dyson wanted to wanted to have in his book The Pra the Black President. Because um, you know, even though the race was the pink elephant in the room and and the color of his skin was something that was undeniable regardless of whether he wanted to address it or not um it was it was still something that uh he felt what dr dyson felt was not uh addressed enough uh even though uh president obama understood that as president that he could not make the agenda of black America his first priority because white America would not allow him to, would not give him that ability to. Uh, you know, the ironic part about uh, that office is, it seemed, that white presidents were able to do more for the black community and the white white America gave them space and the platform to to do for black America uh, more than a black president would be able to do. And the only one that would really be able to 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 understand that unequivocally is the first person to ever do it. And that would be President Barack Obama, because his perspective of of this is not from the cheap seats like you and I. But his perspective is standing right at the podium with the, the, the presidential seal in front of it. He is the man himself. And he knows uh, firsthand uh, the limitations that he has, even as the leader of the free world. Although I thought 
that he would probably be his blackest when he was in his second term in office because at that point you know he would not be uh you know uh, a flash in the pan so to speak uh, his presidency you know he would have four years under his belt uh at that point he would be uh, a, uh he would be a president that has a footing uh in the office and so uh, this would be again he wouldn't have to run another campaign this would be uh, his opportunity to be the blackest he could be as president of the United States and even then some would say that he was not he did not live up to those expectations uh, but he was blacker than uh, he was in the four first four years of his presidency uh, but there were moments throughout his presidency throughout those eight years where you know he addressed the black community where there were issues that you know related to us that he had to address that he could not sidestep that he could not overlook for example the the death of Trayvon Martin or the death of the black parishioners at the church in uh, I believe it was North Carolina that the white uh, you know, domestic terrorists came in and shot those nine parishioners during a Bible class. And if you remember, President Obama gave the eulogy uh, at the uh, at this that that black pastor's funeral, uh, which happened to be a friend of his. And um, you know, he went into the song "Amazing Grace." And so there were times where you know he was uh, quote unquote the black president. And uh, and it was those moments that we gravitated towards. But in uh, Michael Derrick Dyson's book, one of uh, President Obama's ardent critics, uh, he talks about how black America uh, really did not want him or anyone like him to criticize uh, President Obama because of who he was, that 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 he was someone that was off limits in some respects, because, you know, um, that 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 even though we know he could is some of the things that he couldn't do as president, uh, there was still you know he was he was his his presidency as far as the critics were concerned, or far, as far as Black America was concerned was off limits. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to play a clip from a recent interview that uh, Michael Eric Dyson did uh, talking about his latest book, A Long Time Coming, where he talks about this very thing. Take a listen. You can't be mad at white folk and others who support Trump to no end, and you're doing the same thing with Obama, even though you believe your guy is better. That's the nature of it, right? And black people, no matter what, you have to be very careful about crit criticizing Obama. And I took heat for that. I got a lot of pushback. A lot of prominent people who are black didn't want to associate with me, wouldn't let me on their programs and stuff like that. I still, you know, I'm from Detroit, so I'm a, I'm a hustler, baby. When the members of the system ain't no telling. But anyway, so the thing is, I'm going to make it. But the point is, there was pushback. There was, there was assault. There was nastiness, right? I don't, I don't think I'm speaking out of school right now. Uh, Valerie Jarrett. Uh, got at me one night at, at, the, at the Congressional Black Caucus, and we had a set two right there. Now, I try to be respectful of black women, 
but she went off on me in public. And later on, I checked, I emailed her, I said, Valerie, that's not the characteristic of what you're doing. And she said, I'm so sorry, I apologize, but you could have gave me a warning, you were gonna be critical of the president, blah, blah, blah. I took heat. Now, a lot of black people upset, but this is what I love about black people. Now that he's out of office and they can't hurt him, now that what I think about him won't cause him anything or cause these white supremacists to, to potentially kill him, I can be a little bit more honest. And that's understandable. I don't hold that uh, to uh, black people to account like, oh, you hypocrites. No, I understand now that he's out of office, you ready to go, nah, dog, that ain't really what it is. Some people still are forever, though. You say anything about Obama, they buy and, ready you to know, to some head. degree, you can, agree, you know, to some degree, you can agree with him that, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say that, that, that he that President Obama is beyond reproach that everything this man did was perfect and that it was positive there was definitely uh, some things that I was you know not too fond of you know he was not the perfect president but I think when you compare him to his predecessors he still stands above them uh, because he was the first black president of the United States some of the things that again stand out to me is that he was a recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize just months after becoming the President of the United States. Uh, some of the things he talks about in his book, of course, are some of the legislative, his legislative accomplishments, like the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, uh, the bailout of the auto industry, uh, the 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 bailout of the the housing market. You know, there were some things of the uh, capturing and killing. Osama bin Laden those were some of the hallmarks of his presidency there's definitely more that we could discuss on tonight regarding uh, President Obama's newest book A Promised Land we plan to do that on the next episode so be sure to tune in for that we'll save that for next week's discussion but guys please go out and get yourself a copy I'm sure you're going to enjoy it well we're going to take our last break of the night when we come back we're going to give you our thought of the week it's entitled A Fresh Start you don't want to go anywhere you're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. everybody this is your girl telly hampton coming to you straight from detroit michigan right now i'm tuned in with your great host michael nimmons make sure you stay locked to the thinking out loud radio show tune in to the thinking out loud radio show every tuesday at 8 p.m with radio host michael nimmons available everywhere you listen to your podcast and now available for download on the detroit praise network app Thinking Out Loud swag is here. 
t-shirts, polos, hoodies, letterman's jackets, and even face masks. All priced affordably and in a variety of colors and sizes. Just visit michaelnimmons.com to purchase your favorite Thinking Out Loud radio show swag. Get yours today and rep the show out loud. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you to believe. Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. What's cracking Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemitz. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. It's time. Time. For the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show of the Week. One of my favorite scriptures is found in Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verse number 19, where God speaks through the prophet and shares these words. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Such powerful words coming from a God that can do all things. 2020 was probably the worst year that many of us have experienced in our lifetime. Most of the year we spent in our homes, socially distancing ourselves from one another to prevent the spread of the deadly coronavirus. And even amidst our best efforts, our nation still ranked the highest in the amount of active cases of COVID-19 and more than 13 million and almost 400,000 deaths. An inept administration in the White House has compounded this already growing problem 
Then what's worse is how politicized this deadly virus has become for millions of Americans that are out of work, on the brink of losing their homes because of the lack of empathy from one side of the political aisle for those who are suffering. To add insult to injury, we have a president who continues to stoke fear, falsehoods, and division in the minds of the American people about a free and fair election that did not go his way. An American president that went as far as inciting a riot or a coup against his own government to overturn an election that he lost by an overwhelming margin. What a sad and disturbing display that took place at our nation's capital just a few days ago. Watching as hundreds and thousands of white supremacists and domestic terrorists converged on our nation's capital, also known as the seat of our democracy, to try to overturn an election. And now the powers that be are demanding that someone be held accountable for what took place just a few days ago. Impeachment talks are being had 25th Amendment threats are being made, although in just a few more days, a new president and a new administration will be inaugurated and become the new leaders of this nation. Yes, this has been a disastrous year. This has been a treacherous year. For some, this has even been a tragic year. And for others, it's been a terrible year. But what I love about the prophetic words from the prophet Isaiah that I believe God is saying to all of us is that this year, 2021, God is getting ready to do a new thing. If you were blessed to cross over from 2020 to 2021, you're walking into a year of new blessings, new grace and new opportunities. The gift of a new year that God gives to each of us is the gift of a fresh start. A new start that allows us to hit the reset button on our dreams and visions. It allows us the opportunity to regroup and to reposition ourselves for the blessings that he has in store for us. For most of us, leaving 2020 was the best thing that could ever happen. And starting afresh and starting anew is just what the doctor ordered. But the power of this scripture is found not just in God's declaration of doing a new thing, but the power of the scriptures found in the examples that are aligned with this profound pronouncement. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This speaks to God's ability to completely overturn the consequences of those disasters that may have befallen us in the previous year. Disasters, tragedies, and misfortunes that we have experienced have caused us to fall into a depressive stupor that prevents us from seeing a brighter tomorrow. But I hear God saying not to focus on where you are. Don't focus on your problems. Don't wallow in the valley of despair. Instead, remember the omnipotence, the omniscience, and the omnipresence of the God you serve. God's words are rooted in his divine ability to do absolutely anything that he wants to do. Don't let what happened last year affect your faith in what God is able to do for you this year. He's the same God for a different year and he's ready to do a new thing for you.
I know you guys enjoyed I thought of the week a fresh start and that is definitely one thing I'm looking forward to in this brand new year and it's one of the many gifts that God gives us those of us who are able to cross over from one year to the next and that is a fresh start and uh, there's a scripture that I love that Paul writes forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before I press toward the mark of the prize the high calling that is in Christ Jesus and that's one thing about 2020 we're saying bye to 2020 and hello 2021 (laughs) I don't know about you but I'm so glad to be in this brand new year Again, thank you so much for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you enjoyed our discussion about President Barack Obama. We're going to get back into it next week. I'm looking forward to it. And be sure to remember, we're going live on Instagram next Tuesday, January the 19th. At eight, uh, at nine thirty, at nine thirty, live on Instagram, the after show. We're calling it the Thinking Out Loud Radio After Show, January nineteenth, live on Instagram. Add us at TOL Radio Host MSN, so you can be a part of all the fun. We're gonna be talking about his book. We're gonna be talking about his legacy. We're gonna be talking about Joe Biden's inauguration coming up on Wednesday, January twentieth. So, guys, we got a lot of things coming up. So make sure. You don't miss the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast at 8 p.m. and the after show at 9.30 live on Instagram. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web. Remember to check out our website, michaelnemons.com. We've got a lot of great things to offer there. And follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TOL Radio. Radio host MSN. If you want to be a guest on the show, or you're an average, or you an entrepreneur and want to partner with the Thinking Out Loud radio show, send us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com. Guys, we would love to hear from you. We're looking to partner with entrepreneurs and, and businesses uh, to do some great things in 2021. So do us a favor, send us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com. If you want to partner with us, or if you want to be a guest, Yes, on the show, we would love to hear from you. Well, guys, we're getting ready to get out of here. And uh, until next time, always remember, if you think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power is in you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. To get more info about the show and the ministry, visit michaelnemons.com. Want to book radio host Michael Nemons for your next special event? Send an email to contact at michaelnemons.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.